Hey, good morning, faith family. If you got a Bible, uh, make your way to the book of Jude. If you're not familiar with where that book is, go to the very back. Uh, you'll find the book of Revelation and then go forward one book, small little book called the book of Jude. If you're uh, visiting with us, we are really thrilled to have you with us. Uh, and uh, we've been in a series the last several weeks called Contend. We're talking about this idea and everybody relates to it. It's there's just some things in life worth fighting for. There's some things in life that are worth fighting for. And as Christians, uh, the faith that we believe in is worth fighting for. Uh, it, it's not fist fights. It's not physically fighting. But it is to say, this is what we believe. We believe in the truth of what God uh, teaches, what he's spoken to us in his word. And so uh, we've, uh, as your spiritual uh, trainer and pastor, we've talked about how you prepare for the faith fight, uh, how you actually have to engage at some point. You have to contend. Uh, and then we've looked a little bit at the opponent, uh, at least it's happening in Jude's day, uh, and how that still exists even in our day. Uh, now we come to verse 17. So we're going to pick up here uh, in... Uh, in this series, we only have one more week uh, in the book of Jude, and we're going to talk about something that I, I, I really, really trust will be a, uh, a blessing to you that will encourage you today um, and uh, wherever you are. So let's, uh, let's look at verse 17. If you're able to stand, please do so as we honor the reading of God's Word. Uh, Jude, verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. This is God's Word. Please pray for me, will you? Uh, and let's pray together and ask God to speak to us. I, I believe he has a word for us to hear this morning. So let's, let's pray. God, thank you for this time to be together, to be under your word. Uh, Lord, I just want to be faithful to what um, uh, this text says. There is power and life in your word. So just come talk to us, um, inspire us, strengthen us, encourage us in Jesus today. And we ask it in his name and God's people said, amen. You may be seated. They should have stopped her. She was in absolutely no condition to continue. They should have taken her off that track and given her immediate medical attention. But she wouldn't let them. She was absolutely convinced she was going to get to the finish line. 
Her name was Gabby Anderson. She was one of about 50 runners in the 1984 Olympic marathon. She was no stranger to marathon. She'd uh, uh, won uh, the Swiss championship. She'd won marathons in, in Sacramento and even here in Minnesota. But, but those didn't compare to the Olympics. And in 1984, in Los Angeles, California, Gabby would steal the show. Not because she would win. She placed 37th, 24 minutes behind the winner. But the reason she stole the show was because of her determination that she was going to finish this race. With about 100 meters left to go, her body started to shut down. She became severely dehydrated. Her legs could hardly move. One of her arms went completely numb. Her body started twisting all together like a pretzel. People actually thought she was having a heat stroke. And when the medical uh, personnel tried to interfere and tried to come out, she refused because she knew she'd be disqualified. You see, even though she could hear people yelling, why don't you just quit? Why don't you just give up? She was determined to get to the end. And that's exactly what she did. She kept running, zigzagging across the track, just putting one foot in front of the other until finally she crossed the finish line and literally fell into the arms of her trainers. Um, after the race was over, she received the medical attention that she needed and uh, went to the press conference and they asked her that question uh, that they always ask at the end of a sporting event. I hate the question. The question is, uh, so what were you thinking in those last moments? It's like, that's such a stupid question, right? But yet they asked her that and here's what she said. She said, I kept telling myself, I'm in the Olympics. I am going to finish. Just keep running. Faith family, it's a thing called perseverance. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's that thing you have when you don't feel like there's anything left in the tank. Uh, that, that feeling like graduation is never going to happen. That the drama in your life is never going to have a curtain call. That ministry just isn't worth it anymore. The num-nums you work with are never going to change. You work with some of them, I see. Uh, that, that point when, when, when the sickness begins to take a toll on the body, when, when, when the faith you have doesn't line up with the circumstances that you're in and you get tired. Have you ever felt that way? And everything says, give up, pack it in, close the book, shut the door, throw in the towel, because you don't really think you'll ever get to the finish line. In boxing, it's called going the distance. Do you remember the scene in Rocky? If you don't, shame on you. Um, when Rocky's talking to his wife and he's about to fight Apollo Creed, and, and what does he say? If I can only go the distance, if I can only go all 12 rounds, you see, it's a thing called perseverance, getting to the end. 
Faith family, that is exactly what Jude tells these Christians to do in the verses that we've just read. He's already told them to contend for the faith. That's verse three. He's already pointed out the false teachers. That's verse four. He's already talked about what they're teaching and where it leads them. Uh, That's verses like five through 16. And now he says this, look right here. You got to go the distance. You've got to contend to the end. I don't care how tired you are. I don't care how much you want to give up. I know you feel like you want to throw in the towel. You're not going to stop. You will contend to the end. And here's how, right? I'm your spiritual trainer, like it or not right? I'm your pastor. Here are six things that Jude gives us to be able to contend to the end, to persevere in our race. By the way, who wants to contend? Who wants to, uh, to get to the end? Who wants to finish their race? Well, anybody? Okay. So very practical this morning, six things that will help you contend to the end. Number one is this to go the distance you got to have the right expectations. To go the distance, you got to have the right expectations. I take this from verse 17. Um, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They say to you in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It's these that cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. Okay, now, Uh, Jude starts with it. You want to contend to the end. You want to go the distance. Here's how. Uh, You got to remember what the apostles said, and they told you there'd be days like this. I mean, what part of carrying a cross sounded comfortable? Jesus told the apostles, uh, in this life you will have trouble. Jesus told the apostles, if they persecuted me, guess what they're going to do to you? So the apostles then took that and set the expectations uh, for us. There's all kinds of passages in the New Testament that teach this. I'm just going to give you one. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be what? That was kind of weak. Beloved, do not be... There you go. Don't be surprised. Why are you surprised at this fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you? As though it were something What? Strange. It's not strange at all. Rather rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you also rejoice and be glad and when his glory is revealed. Listen, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Come on, expectations matter. We know this. It's why you check the weather forecast. You want to know what the weather's going to be like tomorrow so that you can prepare. It's why um, uh, you may ask for a job description uh, when you take a job. You want to, what's expected out of me here? Uh, it's why a doctor will say, um, this is the procedure I'm going to do. This is how long it's going to take. This is what your recovery time will be. You'll feel like this some days and you'll feel like that. What, what's the doctor trying to do? Get your expectations correct so you won't be shocked when it happens. That is what Jude is doing here. He knows that expectations are crucial for endurance. And he gives them four things they ought to expect quickly. Number one, they're going to scoff. 
He says, they are scoffers, verse 18. That is, they will scorn you. Uh, They will heckle you. This is part of the fight of faith. And you know this. If you've ever been at a sporting event, you've seen this, that hecklers are just a part of it, right? They do everything they can to get your mind off the game. They try to get inside your brain. Like, they they don't want you thinking about what you're supposed to be doing, right? Now, come on, you don't go to a sporting event and say, I can't believe there's hecklers here. No, you just know it's part of it. Christian, please, please hear me. Our citizenship is of another kingdom. This is not our home. We are on the opposing team's turf. So don't be shocked when they call you names or worse. It's just a part of contending for the faith. There's no reason to get your feelings hurt. Remember what Psalm 1 says. Psalm 1 verse 1, blessed is the man, blessed is the one that walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You go on and read the psalm, but meditates on the law of God day and night. They're so consumed with what God thinks, they don't really care that much what others think. It's going to happen. Number two, Uh, they will sin. That is, they will follow their ungodly passions. Don't be surprised when they go their own way. Thirdly, they will stir up divisions. They love controversy. They will love taking what you say and twisting it. They will love to start a social media firestorm. They love causing divisions, and they will be spiritless. That is, um, uh, you're going to deal with people that won't act like they belong to God because they don't belong to God. That, that's, that's normal. That, you shouldn't be surprised by that. Hey, right here, do you want to go the distance? Do you want to go the distance? Then you better have the right expectations. Carrying a cross will cause you Uh, to face many, many, many challenges in the fight of faith. Number two, if you want to go the distance, not only do you need the right expectations, but you got to have continued edification. And we're just going verse by verse. So look at the next phrase, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. Now, we've already talked about the fact that uh, Jude, when he's talking about faith, he's not talking about verb. This is not action. This is not... um, Uh, take a step of faith or trust in something. This is a noun. It's doctrine. It's truth. It's uh, there is a Christian faith and we believe it. And one of the important things about uh, 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 contending to the end is being built up and edified in the truth. So jot this down if you're taking notes. The point is you won't go far if you don't go deep. You won't go far if you don't go deep. Another way you could say this is um, uh, if you're not being built up in the word, you'll be beat up by the world. You've got to be edified, uh, built up in the most holy faith. So when you get punched, you can keep going. Do do you see? You see how this even flows. Uh, The apostle said it's going to be difficult, so all the more, next phrase, you must be built up in the word, the most holy faith. Um, You know this, okay? Uh, Practically speaking, the reason you ran out of gas is because you stopped to 
fill up, okay? Don't point at your spouse, okay? Um, the reason you got tired in the afternoon is because you didn't get rest the night before. So we, we know this. When you don't take time to fill up, you give up. When you don't take time to fill up, you give up. Every boxer, every boxer has to have time in the corner. That is absolutely crucial. Listen, in real contending, you don't go 12 rounds in a row without stopping for uh, to breathe, to be refreshed, to get a drink, to have somebody like me in your face, right? Saying, come on, don't you quit, don't you stop, don't you go back. Remember what God's word says, you gotta have that. You gotta have that. That, that being built up in the most holy faith, that edification is crucial. And what that may mean is that is if you've stopped going in this race, it's likely because you've stopped growing. And that's why at Berean, we're about, why don't y'all say these four with me? Gather, grow, give, go. That's the way we align our church. So it's your gathering and your growing that fills you and equips you to now give and go. Do you see? That's what Jude is saying here. Now, you may say, Pastor, I don't have a lot of time for studying, and studying the Bible's hard. And? So? Muhammad Ali, who's a pretty good boxer, uh, he said this, he said, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit, suffer now and live the rest of your life like a champion. In other words, you may have to rearrange your schedule, sweetheart. You may have to get up a little earlier to have some time in the word. Yes, it might mean a little pain in your life to get some time in God's word, but you ain't enduring without it. You will not make it to that finish line. You will not contend to the end if you're not built up in the faith. Are you with me? Yes. Do you want to go the distance? Yes. You got to have the right expectations and you got to be continually edified. Number three, to go the distance, you got to have a sense of desperation. Now, the way that gets expressed is prayer. Notice the next phrase, not just being built up in the most holy faith, but and praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, prayer is an act of desperation uh, for God because prayer is saying, I don't, I don't have the ability to do this. I, I don't have the strength to do this. I don't have the resources in and of myself to be able to continue to the end. And so God, I know this is hard to admit as Americans, God, I need you. I'm dependent. I'm desperate for you to give me the strength I don't have. Prayer is so important here. Uh, jot this down. Prayer has got to stop being the last resort and become the first resource. See, that, that's the thing with Christians. It's like, well, I did everything else and then I prayed. Well, no wonder you are where you are. Prayer wasn't meant to be the last resort. Prayer was meant to be the first resource so that you're strengthened to be able to endure. Someone has said this, building a life without prayer is like building a house without nails. It won't take very much pressure to knock it down. That's good. 
Prayer is that source of strength. Now, a little quick note here. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Do you see that in the text? Now, my charismatic friends, probably some of them are are even here, and I love them. Um, But some will say that that verse is teaching that you should pray in tongues. Now, I'm not debating whether that exists or doesn't exist. What I'm saying is that's not what Jude is uh, talking about here. That is nowhere even in the context of what Jude's talking about. What he means by pray in the Holy Spirit, now watch, context is always important, isn't it? Don't read your theology into a verse. What's the context, right? If you zoned out, zone back in right here. Uh, Jude's saying the false teachers walk according to the flesh. They do what they want to do. They go their own way. You pray in the Spirit. There's always that contrast in the Scriptures of walking in the Spirit versus walking in the flesh. They go after their desires, but listen, don't make prayer nothing more than trying to get what you want all the time. Make it about God. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Come to Him and say, Your will be done, not mine. That's praying in the Spirit the way I think Jude means it. They go their way. You don't go that way. You go God's way because you pray not in the flesh. You pray in the Spirit. Are you with me? Now, why is prayer so important? Because we've already addressed that you get tired. Okay, again, it's very easy to look like that in the race of faith, in the fight of faith. Well, all the more prayer is needed because listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 46. God is our refuge. He is our what? Say it. Strength. He's a present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble. The Lord of hosts is with us. God is our fortress. Right? No wonder you don't have strength. You've unplugged. No wonder you don't have power. You're disconnected. Do you want to get to the end? Then you'd better start praying desperate prayers. Number four, to go the distance, you need daily submission. You need daily submission. I take this from the next phrase in verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, if you've been tracking with us the last several weeks, you might say, wait a minute, back in verse 1, Jude said that we are kept past tense. So why does he say you're kept? And now he says, keep yourself in God's love. Very simple, okay? Uh, Just because God is sovereign, which he is, doesn't mean you're not responsible to obey. That's the whole point of Jude, what Jude's talking about. Uh, one of my favorite people in church history, as many of you know, is a person named Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon was asked one time, how do you reconcile the fact that God is sovereign, um, uh, he will keep you, and we have responsibility. Keep yourself in the love of God. And here's his response. It's awesome. Why would I reconcile friends? They're not at odds. They go together. God is sovereign, and that never is an excuse to do nothing. We believe he will keep us, and we believe that we have responsibility to obey. Uh, You'll see this even clearer when you see what Jesus teaches in John 15, which really sounds a lot like Jude. Look at it. John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Say this next phrase. Abide in my love. Now, doesn't that sound like Jude? 
uh, keep yourself in God's love or abide in God's love? Well, how? Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So very simple. You say, where are you getting this idea of submission? Did you just like make that word up, you know, because it rhymed with the other ones? You know, where, where are you getting that in the text? Here it is. You ready? The false teachers say, do whatever you want to do. You must submit to what God has commanded. Because submission to what God has commanded is that obedience is keeping yourself in God's love. Practically, it means every day you must surrender at the cross your will for his will. You with me? If your neighbor's falling asleep, punch him in Jesus' name, all right? (laughs) We want to go to the distance, don't we? That means right expectations. It means constant edification. We need desperate prayers. We need to submit to God. And number five, to go the distance, you need an eternal preoccupation. Look at the next phrase. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Here's what Jude is saying. I'm going to get fired up on this one, right? Um, Jude says one of the ways you get to the end is you keep thinking about the end. You're obsessed with the end. I don't mean in like some prophecy nut. If you're one of those, that's fine. And by the way, quit subscribing me for emails that I never signed up for, all right? People will sign, that's just this little soapbox here. People sign me up for emails and I'm like, I didn't sign up for that. And it's usually all this latest prophecy stuff, okay? I feel better that I got that off my chest. So I'm not talking about being obsessed with every single red heifer you see on TV. I'm talking about saying, I can't wait to resurrection day. I can't wait till Jesus comes. That's what I mean. That's what Jude means. In fact, most of the authors in the New Testament are constantly pointing people in their race as they struggle to the end. I'll just give you one. This is probably my favorite. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and it's kept for heaven in you, for, for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation. Now, hang with me. Ready to be revealed when? In the last time. Watch. In this, that last time salvation, in this rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been punched in the face. That's my translation, right? Do you see what he's saying? That in the trial, don't let the now rob you of then. Because to get to the end, you've got to keep thinking about the end. Oh, man, you do, you, you do this. All, like if you've ever trained, if you've ever exercised, or if you've ever worked out with like a partner or a, or a, a, a stopwatch or something, it's like what? you got 30 seconds. Keep going. you got 20 seconds. Keep going. you got five seconds. Come on. Everybody's got five seconds in them. Go, go, go. Done. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're training with the end in mind. 
If Jesus doesn't come, I got 30 years left. Maybe I got 10 years left. I got, I got five years left. I got, I got six months left. And then Jesus forever. Live with that countdown in your mind. Don't let, listen, what you're dealing with now is, I know it feels like hell. It is momentary light affliction compared to the glory that's going to be poured out on you when that day comes. Man, don't lose sight of the end. Don't lose sight of the end. And our culture has unfortunately trained us to only think in nows. Waiting is the hardest part. That's the second Tom Petty reference in two weeks. Thank you very much. We want our food now. We call customer service. We want to talk to a human being now. Uh, We listen to a sermon. I want application for my life now. Well, I'm telling you, don't live for now. I'm telling you, live not for a final bell. Live for a final trumpet. Because when the trumpet sounds, we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and the race will be finished. Don't lose sight of that day. Number six, and finally, is to go the distance, you got to stay on mission. To go the distance, you got to stay on mission. Verse 22 and 23 are the last verses. Three different categories Jude mentions here. Number one, Have mercy on those who doubt. Two, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Three, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now, those are actually very difficult verses, okay? But but here's what Jude's talking about. Um, To get to the final round, you need to do ministry every round. To get to the final round, you need to do ministry every round. In other words, don't forget about the mission, the ministry to others. Because listen, uh, there are other people in the race that sometimes stumble and fall. Uh, And and one of the most important things in boxing, uh, or at least one of the uh, great advantages, is what's called a long reach. I mean, can you imagine having to counter that kind of reach? Well, hey, here's something that'll preach. The best faith fighters don't retreat back, they reach out. They don't retreat back, they reach out. They come along and do ministry to others who are running the race as well. And there's three types of people that he mentions here. The first is the doubter. He says, have compassion on those that doubt. Now, my guess is because of the false teaching that... uh, um, you know, sometimes you get punched uh, in the ring and it, you just get dizzy, right? You ever seen that happen? Somebody kind of falls to their knees and they don't know what's up and what's down. And man, they're just, they've just kind of lost it for a bit, you know? Like they ask you that question and you didn't know the answer. You went through that suffering and you didn't see it coming. You watched that show on the History Channel and you'd never heard that before. And all of a sudden that punch that you that came out of nowhere hits you and all of a sudden you're dizzy and you begin to not contend for the faith, you start to doubt the faith. That happens, doesn't it? Jude's point, oh, I want to I yell this, but I'm going to keep it calm, all right? Because um, this is a word for the church. 
The last thing those people need, Christians, is for you to come along and punch them too. How dare you doubt God? What, you get down, what kind of terrible Christian are you that would do that? No, that's not, they, they need you to come alongside them and embrace them and say, you're finishing this race if I have to drag you. And part of the reason you need to be compassionate and merciful is because everybody at some point doubts. And if you don't think so, well, listen to the Bible. Sarah, always a good thing to listen to, by the way. Sarah, you remember in the Old Testament, says, God, I don't know if you know this, but 90-year-old women don't have babies. Moses said, God, I don't know if you know this, but you don't like walk into Egypt and just tell Pharaoh, I have a great idea. You should just let all these people go. It's an awesome idea. Do it, Pharaoh. Just let him go. It doesn't work like that, God. Or the spies that would say, I know that you gave us this land, but man, those giants are big. Or my buddy and dear friend, BFF, Coeleth. He, I, him and I are tight from Ecclesiastes. He says, I believe that God is sovereign, but if you take an honest look at the data that sometimes the world gives you, you could almost doubt that he is. John the Baptist says, Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? Um, uh, Jesus said, how many times to the disciples, ye of little faith, ye of little faith, ye of little faith. I don't think Jesus spoke King James, but for whatever reason, ye of little faith, right? That wasn't a dig, but anyways. And not just in the Bible, church history. C.S. Lewis said, faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has accepted in spite of your changing moods. I love that. Mother Teresa said, darkness was so much that I could not see with my mind or reason the place of God in my soul. Martin Luther said, for more than a week, I was close to the gates of death. I trembled in all my members. Christ was wholly lost. I was shaken by desperation. Charles Spurgeon, again, one of my favorites, says, I think when a man says, I never doubt, it's time to doubt him. To say, poor soul, I'm afraid you're not on the road at all. Because if you were, you'd see so many things in yourself and so much glory in Christ that you would be so ashamed as to say, it's too good to be true. God could love me. Or John Calvin says, surely while we teach that faith ought to be certain and assured, we cannot imagine any certainty that's not tinged with doubt, that is not assailed by some anxiety. And lastly, John Bunyan that wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, uh, a narrative about the Christian life. Christian has to spend time in Doubting Castle. You say, do you have a point? Yeah, I have a point. Here's my point. If you say you don't doubt, all that means is that you're a better Christian than everybody in the Bible and pretty much all of church history. And if that's the case, your issue is probably not doubt. It's probably pride. (laughs) Why should you be merciful when those that took that punch and got a little dizzy and they started to ask some questions and doubt a little bit, you should be merciful to them. Number two, you need to be a chaser of the drifting, a chaser of the drifting. The next person Jude talks about is those that they're not doubting, they're drifting. Uh, My guess is these are people that started to actually adopt some of the false teaching that was happening uh, when this letter was written. Uh, They're not doubting, they're they're, they're really starting starting to believe some of this stuff. And Jude says, hey, um, you don't minister the same way to everybody. 
Okay, the doubters, you come along and you embrace and you say, come on. But those that have walked further down the road, you may have to tackle them. The language is snatch them out of the fire. What does he mean by that? Well, the verses right before our passage this morning says, if you follow the way of the false teaching, it's going to lead you to judgment. In other words, when they're further down the road and they've slipped farther, you need to run and tackle them and knock some sense into them. That's just as loving as the embrace because the condition is different. Do you see? Here's the last one. Be cautious with the deceived. Be cautious with the deceived. You you see, he says, show mercy but with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now, again, hard verse but easy concept to understand. What he's saying is um, these aren't doubters. These aren't drifters. These are people that have simply said, I don't believe this anymore. They have completely bought into the false teaching. They've completely bought into uh, what the world says. Um, they, they, they're gone. And Jude says, you minister to them. You reach out to them, but you do so cautiously. Um, I don't really know how to illustrate this phrase that says the garment stained by the flesh. Anybody want to take a guess what that means? A garment that gets stained by the flesh. Uh, any parents ever changed a uh, diaper? Okay. Now you get, it's in the Bible, right? This is what Jude says. And what he's saying is that garment that's been stained by the flesh, you have to be very, very cautious or it gets on you. It's very much like uh, 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 medical doctors that work on highly contagious uh, patients. Um, They're helping, they're serving, but they're doing so cautiously because you don't want to be drugged down their road, right? So have compassion on the doubter. Chase the drifter but be very cautious of those that have fallen in to deception. Are you still awake with me this morning? Do you want to go the distance? Well, if you want to go the distance in contending for the faith, if you want to contend to the end, here are the six things Jude says you need to be doing in your life. Get your mind right. Get the expectations correct. Secondly, what in your life is giving you constant edification that you're being built up in the most holy faith? Are you, do you have a desperate prayer life where you are coming before God saying, I don't have the strength to continue. God, would you be my strength? Submit to his way rather than your way. Be preoccupied with the end, not just the now. And don't miss those ministry opportunities along the way. That's how you contend to the end. Do you remember those famous words in uh, 1940 when World War II was in full force and Britain was being torn apart? There was tension as to what they were going to do. Were they going to surrender? Were they going to give in? Were they going to quit? Or were they going to stand up? Or were they going to fight? You remember those famous words spoken by Winston Churchill as he addressed the House of Commons and he said this, we shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France, we shall fight on the seas, we shall fight in the air, we shall defend our island, whatever the cost. We shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills, we shall never surrender. 
That's what Jude is telling these Christians to do. Contend to the end. Don't back down. Don't give in. Christian, let me ask you today, are you tired? Do you feel this way? Does everything in you feel like just throw in the towel, give up, quit? Look at me. Don't stop running your race. Don't give up. Don't you dare give up. You look today to the one who has gone before us, the one who finished his race. Do you remember? Do you remember when Jesus was running his race and he got to the point that he became so dehydrated that he actually cried out, I thirst. And as he was running his race, his legs got to the point that he couldn't even walk. And as he was running his race, his arms got so painful that he couldn't even move them. And all the while, the crowd was saying, quit, come down off that cross if you're really the son of God. And Jesus refused to come down. You know why? Because had he come down, he would not have been disqualified. We would have been disqualified. And so for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So don't you give up. Don't give up. Because brother and sister, one day, one day, one day, we are going to cross that eternal finish line. And we will fall forever into the arms of of our Savior. And what a day of rejoicing that will be. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, I pray by your Spirit that you have, uh, you have truly spoken to hearts this morning. And there are some in this room that, uh, man, they were right there just thinking, I don't know that I can go another day. I don't know that I can face another week. I don't know that I can do this. And this is exactly what they needed. God, you and your sovereignty in this moment, I trust, have spoken. And by your spirit, you have, you have grabbed them and you have said, you're not giving up. You're not turning back. I've given you these tools in my word to go the distance. You've tripped, you've fallen, oh well, get up, keep running, let's go. There's a race to be run. I pray if there's somebody here today, they've never even joined the race, that what they would have heard this morning in, in, in preaching your word is that the only one that can really give satisfaction to the life that's tired is Jesus. And maybe they're here and they're just saying, I, I'm tired and I don't even know it. I'm tired spiritually and I haven't known why, but today I realize it's because I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've never started the race. And my prayer is, God, that they would turn from their sin, that they would turn from living their own way and they would surrender to your way, that they would believe in Christ. You know every heart, every need, every life. And so I'm, I'm asking, Spirit, that you just be at work right now. Speaking to us, drawing us, making clear in our minds what it is that you'd have us do. Now may we leave today with a fresh 
energy of grace to keep running. And I ask it in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen.